guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Uh, I am uh, just imbibing Theraflu on a steady basis. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so you're just like subterranean at this point? Yeah, I feel very slimy and gross. How are yeah, you? I, oh, I'm uh, also slimy and gross, but uh, in good health. Uh, no, I uh, had... Uh, when I was recovering from my booster shot, I don't think I've ever sweated that much in my entire life. Like, yeah. the entire... I, I, I was down for an entire day. Although, it's weird. Like, I've heard from a lot of people that, like, it varies wildly how hard the, the booster hits you. Yeah, for sure. Because for me, it was very mild. Um, and I didn't really feel much at all. But uh, I also got COVID, and it made me sick as fuck. That'll that'll do it. I, I feel like now, uh, you know, this podcast uh, for a lot of people might be an escape from COVID, but fuck it. We're talking about COVID. Um, do we really I, want to like, are we doing this? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's honestly the only the weird thing about COVID is uh, my dad was going to was going to come visit. And then I had to point out that like, well, the Omicron variant is completely annihilating California right now. So I had to be like, uh, maybe in a couple of months. But honestly, like every time I leave the house, it feels like something in dawn of the dead where you have to like go into town for supplies i it's it's a lot i feel like it's always going to be like this yeah it does feel like this is never going to end um <laughs> and i think we just might as well start souping up our pickup trucks and strapping <laughs> um blonde uh, twinks to our pickup trucks and being absolutely actually Quincy tell you what I'll, I, I will be co-warlords with you in the wasteland <laughs> I feel like we can listen all we all, all we got to do is grow mohawks get some football shoulder pads and exactly one blonde twink uh, on a motorcycle and the world's oyster have you seen the dark side of the ring uh, episode with the road warriors no, but I bet it is super depressing. It is super depressing. But a really interesting thing is Road Warrior Animal said, oh, yeah, I just knew a guy who made metal like in a metal shop. And I said, make me spikes. And he made me a bunch <laughs> of spikes. And that's how we got our look. See, this is my favorite thing with the Road Warriors is that like if you take out uh, all of the, the face paint and the spikes and everything, they look like two Midwestern junior high football coaches. They like, do. they're just a couple of fellas that happen to have, like, a post-apocalyptic gimmick. Um, honestly, the weird thing to me is also that Demolition, which is, like, Road Warriors with the serial numbers filed off, had such a fucking lengthy run in WWF. Demolition is uh, puzzling because they're like Road Warrior but also Bondage gimmick. More bondage, which honestly, I what's incredible to me is that people missed out on the gay subtext of the Mad Max series with all the leather and the gimp masks. Like, it's just, it's a lot. Um, speaking of leather and gimp masks, what, what ghoul shit have you been occupying yourself with? Well, I've actually been reading uh, Lee Cowart's Hurts So Good, which is a book on the science of uh, masochism. Ooh, so this sounds like a bit of light reading before going to bed. Like, is it sort of what you thought it was going to be? Um, it is shockingly horny on Maine in a way that <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting by reading a book about BDSM, but it is making me blush like a uh, 
schoolgirl at a church. Oh, honestly, it's funny. My uh, a buddy of mine was telling me about how they had to explain the concept of BDSM to their parent who had never, who didn't know anything about it. And I realized, like, God, having to explain from a full stop what BDSM is to somebody who has no idea about it. Please put a bullet in my head. Like that, <laughs> that is the worst interaction you could have. So what have you been up to? Um, I so the goal shit that I've been up to lately is that I am now uh, halfway through um, the Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum. Oh um, no! It's 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 a it's a rough one. Um, mostly because I realized that like because I like transgressive horror, but I I went through a spate of like two or three like modern transgressive horror books that I was kind of like, well, this is boring. Um, and so I was kind of like, I, I, I mean, Jack Ketchum is usually the one that people cite. Like, I've read a couple of his things before, so I was like, all right, well, this is the heavy hitter, and oh, friends and neighbors, it is, it's a hard fucking read. I think I might actually DNF this. Yeah, I think, <laughs> like, there lies only pain and suffering. It's just... Yeah, I think transgressive horror literature, it's almost like you have to like have a friend on the inside who can give you a little backstage pass to which ones you should actually read. Yeah, it's really hard to find the ones that are, are good. Now, here's what's wild. Uh, they made a movie of The Girl Next Door. Yeah. How, uh, how, how have we not watched that for this podcast? Or maybe the question is, do we have to watch that for this <laughs> podcast? Well, listen, if somebody, uh, if one of uh, our patrons over on Patreon wants to uh, suggest that we, you know, they they could put a gun to our heads. I was about to say, we haven't watched it yet because we love and respect ourselves, but a cursory glance of the list shows that that's not the case. Um, I don't think it's, uh, you know, my, my, my immediate question upon reading half of this book is, how in the quiet fuck do you adapt this into a movie? Yeah, I'm fascinated to... I, I have a morbid curiosity about the movie because I've never read the novel, but I know what happens. And, and that was enough. I read the Wikipedia plot summary and said, <laughs> thank you, sir. That's all I need. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You you you, you learn about the you get the, the elevator pitch from Jack Ketchum, breath reeking of garlic and onions, and you <laughs> wait to get off that fucking elevator like that's. Yeah. So speaking of something that is not even the least bit transgressive, uh, let's dig into the movie that we are talking about this week. Um, we are talking about Deadly Friend from 1986. Fuck yeah, the year both of us were born. Yes. Uh, it's, now, my question is, uh, and, and of course, directed by fucking Wes Craven. Um, you have this on Blu-ray, right? Uh, DVD. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. They're not doing a 4K of Dudley. There actually Friend. is a 4K. <laughs> I just didn't. I uh, so shout out to Orbit DVD in Asheville, North Carolina. They have become my new um, source for weird stuff on uh, weird physical media. They have mm -hmm. a sale where you can get free shipping if you buy three items. Mm. I mean, also Asheville. Uh, it, I mean, I, I love that it's sort of the like this oasis of weird hippies in the middle of North Carolina. Like Asheville is where you want to go for weird DVDs for sure. Yeah, so I was able to pick up uh, Zyrum, a King Kong Bundy VHS tape of all of his <laughs> matches with Jerry Lawler, and also um, the uh, 
uh, Blu-ray import of Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. That is quite the haul, my friend. Like, I don't know how... Although, honestly, I've realized something. I think King Kong Bundy has the prettiest eyes in all of wrestling. (laughs) I just... He's got these beautiful blue eyes. I don't know. Um... Yeah, that's, I feel like, a 4K of Deadly Friend. I mean, what's going to be on that? Like, there's I there's no way to me that Wes Craven did a director's commentary track for this. Oh, there's not. This is the sparsest DVD in my collection. I have bootlegs from <laughs> the depths of the internet with more special features than this yeah which makes sense to me so this is a movie uh this was two years after um he after Wes craven did nightmare on elm street now let's off top point this out um Wes craven has a f- fantastically checkered track record with movies yeah it's uh, it's so wild that this is a post nightmare on elm street this comes across as a first or second film (laughs) yeah i mean what's wild to me is that the same guy who did the hills have eyes a nightmare on elm street fucking scream you know all of these movies last house on the left oh also did you know shocker and deadly friend and cursed with christina ricci um and, and deadly friend as a movie uh there's a thing now this is a movie about the 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 elevator pitch for this is uh, young nerdlinger's uh, pseudo girlfriend goes brain dead, and he puts robot brain into girlfriend, and uh, murder hilarity ensues. Um, now there was something in the water because Short Circuit came out the same year. Ooh, there we go. Was this a uh, ships passing in the night situation? Like, was there? Do you think Wes Craven was like sitting and watching the dailies from Short Circuit and was like, oh, I could put some murder in there? Well, okay, so the premise of this movie is this nerd has a fucking robot, and that (laughs) robot goes wild. A a fully sentient robot on wheels named BB. Um, And the movie opens, we get this, like, random scuzzoid who is... There's this family uh, featuring uh, the young wiener man who is the protagonist of this film. Um, And they leave the car to go into, like, a gas station or something, and this rando... Uh, tries breaking into the car, but just kind of like, hey, let's see what's going on in here. And a robot crab claw just like choke slams him. And the voice, uh, what does the voice of BB sound like? <laughs> kind of like Meatwad from Aqua Teen. Uh, <laughs> or like a Jawa. Like he's just always like, oh, it's me, baby, the robot. And he's just like, Throughout the movie, uh, just doing this voice, I think it's meant to be endearing. This yeah, I voice. think it's supposed to be like um, Gizmo the Mogwai, like <laughs> kind of sweet, but it it doesn't come across that way at all. It is very unsettling. <laughs> yes, it's me, the sentient robot. And it's just like <laughs> awesome, fantastic. Um, and this thing, you know, it grabs the guy by the throat while trying to break into the car, and then everybody comes back to the car. They drive away, and the guy is still alive and on the pavement, just like, whoa, what just happened? And what we come down to is that this kid, first of all, how old is the protagonist of this movie meant to be? I cannot figure it out, because they're doing that thing where they cast an actor in his 20s to play a teen but then mm. they don't bother, like, he's in college, but maybe he's in college because he's a child prodigy because he was able to build a <laughs> robot, but that's also not clear. 
Yeah, it's like, all right, Professor 14-year-old, like, he... But his yeah. friend has a paper route. <laughs> yeah, and he's, like, going to this, like, MIT thing. He's teaching classes about <laughs> robotics. Um, I think, now, what's uh, Wes Craven, who um, had an academic career track before he decided to become a director and was a divinity student, no less, um, which only crops up in his work a few times, Uh it's like it kind of doesn't know what this guy's deal is, but what is also his deal is that he is super horny uh, for his neighbor, played by Christy Swanson. Um, she's in this motion picture. Man, she's got a uh, short stick in this film. So Christy's yeah. character is a um, victim of uh, parental abuse. Her dad is beating her. Yeah, and it's and we we know because of the telltale like close up of her her bruised like wrists and also a dream sequence with more oh, blood fuck. than uh, when Johnny Depp's character gets killed in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, it's a slip and slide for sure. This this movie. Um, I know I say this about a lot of the movies we watch on this uh, podcast, but. I would say that Deadly Friend has something of a tone problem. <laughs> where, on the one hand, you've got, like, it's me, the friendly robot. And then it's, like, cutting to Christy Swanson's dream sequence where she's, like, her. there's her abusive father. Which, by the way, big fucking trigger warning. If you're a survivor of childhood abuse, which I am, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of rough. But it's also so cartoonishly horrible that it's just like, all right, Wes Craven, proceed. Um, and, you know, Christy Swanson has this dream where her father is, like, hovering over her while she's in bed, which implies, like, there might be something else going on here. And she stabs the shit out of him with... What is it that she stabs him with? I... What is it? I can't remember. Part of a halogen light tube? I don't know. But he is spurting blood like a fucking fire hose and scream laughing like, you know you can't kill me. And this is right after BB the lovable robot was doing hijinks. It also features Anne Ramsey just being her curmudgeonly self, but brandishing a shotgun and menacing teenagers <laughs> with no real-world repercussions. She's incredible. So, obviously, Anne Ramsey, who played... My, my frame of reference for her was that she's Danny DeVito's mom in Throw Mama from the Train with Billy Crystal, where it's like uh, the like strangers on a train sort of a thing, and she's just like constantly screaming at him. Uh, and she is the meanest cuss that ever drew breath. Like, it, this movie briefly turns into the fucking sandlot for, like, three seconds. Yeah, because their basketball bounces into her yard and she takes it away. It's my basketball now, fuckface. Like, she's <laughs> just... Uh, and she doesn't like B.B. the robot, who's just, you know, at this, in the first part of this movie, just the sweetest little fully sentient robot. But Let's also the fucking huge. Like, he is a stout tank treaded behemoth <laughs> he truly is he's like, like a this... caterpillar uh construction equipment he's like <laughs> yeah he's the final boss of robot wars he <laughs> is fucking huge and uh and ramsey who plays uh, elvira parker which by the way her name is elvira okay uh and she threatens to shoot this robot who Honestly, I'm going to just point this out here. This robot, pro like, this puppet fucking rules. Oh, it looks great. I mean, and I guess if it's the killer robot movie, you kind of can't 
you know, skip funding on the robot. Like, it has to look pretty good. But what what the movie doesn't, it kind of hits on this thing. Uh, Wiener Boy has, you know, uh, listen, people have been trying to figure out artificial intelligence and what sentience means outside, outside of the human race. And this little wiener happened to create fully autonomous artificial intelligence. And he points out, like, yeah, I'm always upgrading him, so you never know what he's going to do. I'm going to want to know what my sentient robot might do. <laughs> like, I want to be in possession of those facts, you know? Yeah, that's not something you just leave to chance. Uh, no. So, let's talk about BB's color scheme. Uh, he is uh, school bus yellow. Um... I think, right? Wait, yeah. I've just... Yeah, I feel like I just had a stroke. He's, like, yellow and has, like, a little, like, speak-and-spell face. He's so wonderful. I just... He's very charming. Uh, but what's wild is when we think of, like, horror villains, uh, mm-hmm. horror antagonists, Schoolbus Yellow doesn't get a lot of play. That's a really good point. I feel like you see yellow and it lulls you into a false sense of confidence because you're like, I'm either at a McDonald's or waiting for a school bus. Um, this movie has 100% more cock and ball torture than I was expecting <laughs> from a robot movie. Um, I think BB's signature move is grabbing people by the dick and balls and squeezing. Um, He's the it's very... Akira Tao of, um, <laughs> robot. Yeah, there, it's a very Stephen King thing. There's, um, a minor antagonist of this movie who pops up exactly twice when it's important for the plot. Uh, He's like this, you know, sort of Stephen King-style greaser bully who just shows up to menace um, the the main wiener kid, whose name is Paul, by the way, and his friend Tom, um, and it's just like, whatever, fuck your robot, and the robot is like, allow me to respond by gripping your nutsack with a vice, (laughs) and, you know, he, like, has to call off his goons. I will also point out, his friend, like, the main character is the worst friend ever. Oh, yeah. It, he also does not take um, any of the grave and mortal danger that they're in seriously at all. No, at no point. And also, this kid's a little sociopath because, like, so he's in love, presumably, with Kirsty Swanson, who, by the way, is a baby in this movie. She's so young. She's so tiny and young, and this little wiener is, like, so needy, because he's just like, hey, you want to hang out with me? And she's like, yeah, maybe later. He's like, what about now? Are we married? Like, he's just following her around constantly. As a character, she doesn't get to do much. She gets to die, basically. Yeah, she gets to get abused a lot by her terrible father and then die. Um, Now, her her dad basically, uh, so she's hanging out with Wiener Boy, uh, and her dad doesn't like that, so he just, like, straight up gives her, like, a right hook to the face, and she falls down the stairs and goes into a coma? Yeah, um, except it's it's more of... It's, it's pretty much the we've done all we can do, she's dead kind of coma. Yeah, it's... Now, she's, like, brain dead at this point, and so they're kind of like, well, you know, we're going to be taking her offline eventually. Uh, and obviously Paul the Wiener is like, oh no, my maybe girlfriend if I wear her down. Uh, and he he conscripts his poor friend uh, to go to the fucking like, hospital to abduct her. His name is Tom, by the way, his poor friend. Um, oh, by the way, I should point out here, this is uh, after BB gets fully like shot to shit 
by Mrs. Parker with the <laughs> shotgun. To be fair, Chekhov's gun, she has a shotgun. She uses the shotgun. <laughs> You know what? Fair fucks to to Mrs. Parker. Um, She and we get like replay and slow mo of this robot just flying into a million bits. Uh, And I think Tom is responsible for BB buying it somehow. Yeah, it's it's again that whole um, we're not going to take the shotgun wielding um, matron uh, seriously. Yeah, and so he he guilts his friend into abducting a young girl from a hospital by being like, well, it's your fault my robot died. So, I mean, I'm, I don't want to point fingers, but you owe me. And the friend is like, okay, Jesus Christ. And, you know, they're at the hospital. They're about to unplug her when they... Uh, they make off with her, and she, I think, has, like, what, like, ten minutes until final death? Something like that. It's a weird artificial countdown kind of thing. Then they get home, and they have to cover with Paul's mom, so naturally they drug her. Oh, of course they drug her. Also in here, I need to point out, um, Paul wears a lot of hats, and one of them is that we get in this fun robot movie... A scene of, like, brain surgery on a guy whose skull is fucking open, and they're doing this in, like, a dentist's office for some reason, and uh, so, you know, we get this, like, smash cut of uh, Paul digging around in a brain to uh, to his mom uh, digging into a jack-o'-lantern, which I thought was fun. Yeah, that is Um, pretty great. Yeah, and so they, you know, they implant the the I think what the 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 robot chip in Kirsty Swanson's brain. Yes, and then she is alive, but she walks around and acts like a robot. Yeah, and she, I mean, honestly, Kirsty Swanson's sort of blank affect kind of works for this. <laughs> like, yeah, and and upon um, further introspection. It's not much different for her character because she doesn't get characterization before she turns into a robot. No, no. I mean, her characterization is that she gets abused by her dad. And, we, you know, we get this scene of her uh, at dinner with uh, Paul and Paul's mom. Now, Paul's mom, who, by the way, yeah, we got to point this out. He dr- He slips his mom a Mickey in her coffee that, like, knocks her out for the evening while he conscripts his friend into abducting her from the hospital. Um, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, why? Why? Like, is this, you know, actually, I kind of appreciate it because, you know, you look at, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And where the parents anywhere in that movie, like, Nancy's mom is, you know, drunk most of it, and everybody else is, like, the parents aren't really doing shit in that movie, where I feel like in this one, Wes Craven felt like he had to, like, well, I mean, the viewers are going to be wondering what his mom is doing while he's abducting someone from the hospital, so I need to have him drug her. He's he's learning from his mistakes. He's growing as a filmmaker. <laughs> Listen, you leave kids unattended, they get dragged across the ceiling by a nightmare man. I tell you Unless... what, though, I read Michael Pollan's article on caffeine the other day, and now, like, the true terror is coffee, because... Uh, it stays in your system for like 12 hours. So she's having a cup of coffee at dinner. She's going to have a horrible night's sleep. Whoa, I was not aware of this. What is So it's, it's just like caffeine is very, very bad for you? So caffeine um, 
blocks the sleepy chemical, the chemical that tells your brain, I'm tired, it's time to go to sleep. But it doesn't eradicate it. It just is like hitting the snooze button. So no matter how much caffeine you drink, eventually you will crash and you just get a flood of that chemical that says it's bedtime. Well, I was about to say, well, I guess I'm going to cut down my caffeine intake. Uh, I probably will not, but I will feel bad about it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, see you. See you again in 12 hours. Cup of coffee. Um, yeah, it's coming. The now, uh, after he slips his mom a Mickey in her coffee, we it's, it's like something from fucking Eraserhead where it's, Tom, Paul, and Paul's mom, and they're all sitting there. Tom and Paul are drinking milk straight from the mug like a psychopath while his while his mom is drinking coffee. And for no real reason, it's like, it's the slowest acting drug in the history of drugs. Painfully slow. The Faustian Nonsense Patreon has a lot of amazing stuff. Not even just Quincy and me talking about Sylvester Stallone movies. Loads of amazing shows on the network, including The Green Horizon, Chain of Being, Ghosts on a Train, and Lavender Tavern, have a shitload of bonus content for you to get your hands on. Go check it out over at patreon.com slash Nonsense. You won't regret it. I gotta tell you, this movie takes way too long to get to the robot brain implantation. <laughs> like, I don't need all the, I don't need them saying grace and having dinner and all of this. Like, please, can we get to the robot girlfriend? Um, this movie... So, okay. Uh, he revives the corpse, and she is sort of wandering around with, like, the bluest uh, eye makeup in the world. I think now, she's, is this she's, supposed to be like mascara or is it supposed to be she's a corpse and it's made her eyes look blue that's a great question my my initial thing was like i guess it's meant to make her look like a corpse which is also weird because earlier you know we get a shot of her actual corpse when she's like you know dead and it's like she looks way more like a corpse than before they bring her back and and i guess maybe the robot uh, energy turns her blue. I have no idea. What if it's like a blue screen thing? Oh, that would make sense. That that would, I think, ascribe a little bit more intention than was actually present. <laughs> but, well, we yeah. learn at the end of the movie, the big stinger is that this whole time the chip is making her convert her organic material to robotic metallic material. Oh, well, we'll get into the ending, which <laughs> holy, holy, holy shit. It's it's incredible. So my favorite thing about Christy as BB is she holds her fingers like the pinchers that the robot has. So she's just walking around pretending to be a crab the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's doing like, yeah, the, the live long and prosper hands and like, oh, well, I still think I'm a robot, so... Crab, crab, just like walking around <laughs> doing crab claws. Uh, after they implant the chip in her brain, which, by the way, his friend Tom has now uh, to work off his debt for killing BB the robot, um, has helped abduct this girl from the hospital, do open brain surgery, and put uh, help put a microchip in her head. And then after they do it and they bring her back to life, um, Tom is on the front porch with him and he's about to go home. And he's like, "We're even now, right?" And I feel like he should be saying. Lose my number. Paul. <laughs> like, we're square, and I can't see you ever again. <laughs> like, I've had the worst two days of my life. I I can't look at you right now. Like, th that should have been a lose my number for sure. Oh, for um, sure. 
The music in this movie is John Williams all over the place, which is an incredible choice. Yeah, I I also wonder if that's, again, 86 and robots. Like, what's mm-hmm. hot robots? Because, I mean, what year did uh, Batteries Not Included come out? Oh, shit. I mean, anywhere from 1982 to 1989. It could have been anywhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. very mid-80s feel to it. Yeah, and it's it's like it simultaneously wants to be like a, a lighthearted kids on bikes Amblin movie, while also featuring like horrific child abuse and blood shooting everywhere and genital trauma. Yeah, like, it it really does have a kind of Amblin vibe. It's trying to be this sweet movie, and it just Wes Craven can't do it. I think he can't yeah. help himself. Yeah, and I i mean, it makes sense to me that the guy who did fucking Last House on the Left might not be able to do, like, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead or whatever. <laughs> um, now, you what's incredible, say. so, yeah, so uh, Christy Swanson um, is, like, looking out the window at her abusive father, who has, I think, one of the most upsetting hairlines in a horror movie. <laughs> It's like, it, it only covers the back of his head. Like, he's got hair on the back of his head and nowhere else. Um... And so she goes to to kill him. My favorite moment of this movie is that her father hears a noise in the house and goes to investigate. And he looks down and just sees a random bottle of bourbon, like it's a power-up in a video game. (laughs) He just, like, licks his lips like a cartoon zoot suit wolf, like, oh boy, bourbon. Um, And she kills the dog shit out of him. Just murders the fuck out of him. She what? She she electrocutes him. I want to. Oh no, she burns him. Yes, and and they find his burned corpse, and then they're like, "We have a killer on our hands." <laughs> yeah, and he's trying to you know do the thing where you know she's totally blank faced, and she's just like killing him, and he's like, "No, what? Ah, you're supposed to be dead. I'm sorry." And it's it's not a particularly satisfying death. Like I don't know. Like is this is the actor who plays her dad a good actor or a bad actor? Um. He is an act. He's your standard length of 80s character <laughs> actor. Yeah, he is one standard unit of character actor. He, uh, you know, he dies. And so, of course, they're like, oh, no, someone's doing murder. And then right after that, um, and Ramsey, who plays Mrs. Parker, basically we get the, um, you know, that bit at the end of Trick or Treat with the bus driver getting tormented by Jack? Yeah, yeah. Um. He, you know, because obviously she was the one who, what we're doing is a sort of, so uh, Chrissy Swanson and BB the robot both died, they killed her killer, and now it's time to exact revenge on BB's killer. Yes, and and how better to do that than with the motherfucking basketball that <laughs> Anna Ramsey's character stole from them. Please, please talk to me about this kill. How does how does the scene go down? So this has become this has gotten as much play on my timeline on social media as the uh, scanners head explosion. This is everywhere. Yeah, um, or or the garbage day thing from Silent Night Deadly Night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anne Ramsey is yelling at Christy, and she picks up a basketball and chucks it at her head. And her head just explodes into a balloon of blood. 
Yeah, it's incredible. Like this head explosion, I yelled so loud and then called in everybody from the other room to come watch this with me. She walks around without her head just gushing blood for a good like minute too. Well, like a John Williams score is like da 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 da. da. Um, yeah, I, I honestly I love it when somebody uh, gets decapitated and then their body kind of tries to figure it out for like the next ten seconds. Like okay. Don't panic. You're headless. You can still make this work before collapsing. It's the kind of shenanigans that... uh, It's that kind of flawed logic that I will agree with just because it's fun. Like reversing the figure four leg lock reverses the pressure. (laughs) Like, it's so stupid that I'm like, yes, I will agree that that's a thing. That... (laughs) You know, a, a torso can feel the stump, pat the stump on its head before it realizes it's dead. Yeah, I'll allow it. I mean, there's what there's that thing about the chicken who, uh, wasn't there a chicken who got its head chopped off, but part of its brainstem remained, and so they fed it through an eyedropper for like 18 months and it continued to live? Yeah, it was a big, um, it, it was a big sideshow, like, draw, and I think, like, they screwed up it, and it died for some like stupid gratuitous reason. I mean, as stupid and gratuitous as as a headless chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's die. like spider. That's like Spider Man getting killed by a mugger. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come on, come on. This chicken survived decapitation. Um, now, so I think you they know, misplaced Mrs- the eyedropper, and they were like <laughs> late. I told you not to lose my eyedropper. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Chrissy Swanson, you know, like she. Now, my question here. Uh, Wiener Boy Paul, what is his end game here with bringing her back to life? It's like, okay, acquire Christy Swanson, put robot brain and body, and where do we go from there? What's his plan? I think it's the hubris of thinking with your dick. It's Paul is just so desperate to hook up with her that he doesn't think it through. Which is pretty upsetting that he also has a, like, he can turn her off via remote control. Yeah. Um, now, I do, th- now, here's the thing. Wes Craven is a really, really smart guy. Uh, I, I think he's, I mean, I, I love him very much, and I feel like he's very thoughtful. And I do think there's something here about the fact that Christy Swanson goes from one controlling, abusive male relationship to another from her father to to paul maybe yeah but i think that what is there is a lot like the atari uh landfill in new mexico you have to (laughs) dig so deep and then once you find it it's not as good as you had hoped it would be oh yeah all those copies of et out in the middle of a fucking landfill um i mean that's kind of I feel like this movie looked at weird science and went, eh, we could be more upsetting. Yeah, Um, yeah. So the police find uh, BB slash Christy, and um, they all, like, try to gun her down because she's she's pinching menacingly at them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, she pinches menacingly after also, um, in the third act of this movie, we gotta have... Uh, random greaser bully who uh, got his nuts pinched by the robot. Which, by the way, having to ride a motorcycle after having your genitals <laughs> injured—that's that's rough. That's a rough time. It's no good. Um, 
It's no good. Uh, and he pops up to inflate the body count in the third act of this movie. Uh, I do like that uh, Robo Christie uh, sees things in Robo vision. Yes. Like uh, pixels. No sense at all. I don't like there's still eyes like I don't you didn't lose resolution on your on the cones in your eyes when you died like I mean I appreciate that it's also we kind of get a Jekyll and Hyde thing with it uh, toward the end of the movie where like when she's herself she can see things clearly but when she's BB she sees things in robo vision it's it's not it doesn't really work so the police gun her down and Paul is is somehow allowed to be alone with this body again. <laughs> it's completely absurd. Um, and at the very end of this movie, uh, he's like weeping over uh, Robo Christie. And then all of a sudden she grabs him. And then what happens exactly at the end of this? Her skin is ripped away and underneath Christie's human face is a like Power Ranger style robot. A fucking Lord Zed ass <laughs> robot endoskeleton. It's like Jeff Goldblum at the end of the fly. Like she just puts a shotgun to her robot head and begs Wiener Boy to kill her. Like it's I don't is the idea here that the chip mutates your body and turns you into into a robot? I guess it's that the chip turns you into a robot. All right, Wes. Now, the thing is, uh, she does get gunned down by cops because she's running at the making pinchy motions with her <laughs> with her fingers. Uh, and the music over the credits is incredible because it's just synth music that keeps going like over and over again. Beep. <laughs> it's so much. That's the like, best thing about this DVD copy I have is that's the menu music is BB. BB <laughs> from from BB's yeah confessional self-titled album. Honestly, there's a stunt in this movie that I'm obsessed with, which is so uh, Wiener Boy tries going back to Tom at one point and is like, "Ah, you gotta you gotta help me w- with Chris- Robo Christie," and his friend is like, "Ah, fuck you, dude! Like you conscripted me into abducting someone and performing brain surgery." I'm going to the fucking cops. Um, and they, the two of them have, like, the weeniest slap fight in the history of fights. Like, they wrestle around a bit, and uh, Paul punches Tom in the face, and then pa- Tom is like, wow, okay, bye, w- welcome to jail. And he goes to leave the house, and suddenly, from the top window of, like, the attic, Robo Christie comes Flying, she does like a suicide dive through the window, going blah, blah, just like tackles the shit out of this kid uh, and starts like beating him to death. This movie, uh, I it's I get the impression that it's like they were making up this movie as the plot went along. Yeah, it, it really doesn't seem like there's a lot of thoughtful execution done here. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, apparently this was a movie that was like. Uh, ripped to bits by the studio because they wanted something marketable that was... I mean, and, it, and it kind of shows to me that, like, you know, you've got Wes Craven who could have done, like, a thoughtful meditation on, like, the body and, you know, our relationship to technology and the nature of, like, you know, your personality and what goes into that. And I could... I, there's, like, 
the kernel of a good movie in this that I feel like was a combination of Wes maybe not always having good ideas and the studio being like, kids on bikes! Yeah. Definitely there's that need for it to be an Amblin-style kids on bikes movie. Yeah. And, I mean, like... Apparently, according to Christy Swanson, like, she had a really fun time making this. Um, She was like, yeah, like, Wes was really encouraging. He was, you know, really nice to me and was just like, yeah, I had a really fun fucking time making it. I got to make a stupid robot movie. What do you want? Um, (laughs) That's good that that it wasn't like, you know, a Stanley. Wes Craven isn't a Stanley Kubrick, like, haranguing type. And then Christy Swanson had, like, a horrible time. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Wes Craven, I mean, you watch interviews with the guy, and he's so, like, soft-spoken and kind. Um, Which, yeah, checks out to me that he would make a thing like this, where it's, I don't know. Um, It's not good, but it is from 1986. So, (laughs) uh, I mean, it's, I would definitely, this is, I would recommend people watch this movie just because it's always fascinating to me that Wes Craven made Scream and also Deadly Friend. Yeah, it's it's a wild uh, career trajectory. Yeah, so let's let's check out the list. Let's see where we where we uh, feel good about placing Deadly Friend. I'm scrolling down a little bit. Quincy at number uh, two ninety four, we have another movie about young women who are put in positions they shouldn't be put in. Uh, at number two ninety four, we have Return of the Living Dead three. Um, which do we think is better, Return of the Living Dead 3, which is the one with, like, oh, no, my goth GF is a zombie now, or, oh, no, my GF is a robot? Gosh, this is a really tough question, because I would say the special effects makeup, they made a bodysuit for that actor in Return of the Living Dead 3 to be able to have glass shards stuck in all of her skin. Oh, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason they did that. I mean, the self-injury stuff in that movie, which, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch, but I, I I sort of understand, like, wow, I'm a zombie now. I can't really feel much, so I guess I'm going to jab, you know, shards of glass into my skin. The, the effects are really fucking good. Yeah. Uh, but also, Deadly Friend has a fully functioning robot in it, so it's really <laughs> tough to decide. A fully functioning, uh, sentient uh, robot, by the way. Maybe this will help us. At number 96 is Shocker. Oh, really? 96? (laughs) Really? Oh, that was right. That was the uh, uh, previous episode with, I mean, they're all previous episodes, but with uh, Matt Wallace, we we talked about Shocker. God, that movie is incredible. Um, It, hmm... I don't know. I 96 is too high. I'll say that right now. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Uh, Shocker, although I'm very fond of that movie, but it's dog shit. Uh, Although I feel like Shocker is a better movie than Deadly Friend, and I'll tell you why. I think it is for sure. Yeah, because to me, Shocker uh, has more clarity of purpose, which is Wes Craven is salty about the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels and went, well, fine, fuck you, I'll make a new Freddy Krueger with Mitch Pileggi. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it didn't it didn't work but you know you cut you kind of see what shocker is going for where with deadly friend it's just a big old mishmash and i don't think it totally works um scrolling down a little bit uh quincy at number 106 we have final destination um the first one uh which do we think is a better movie the movie where death is the killer 
or Deadly Friend, the movie where my girlfriend is a robot. Oh, I was going to say definitely Final Destination. Going mm-hmm. down the list, uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare is number 231. <laughs> also, okay, so really what we're saying here, a, 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 a brand new fresh vision from Wes Craven that didn't totally work out, or the sixth permutation and ultimate death of a franchise, <laughs> where they just like Rachel Talalay dialing everything to eleven so that it combusts on the runway. Um, what do you think? Um, I have to say, Freddy's Dead uh, for soundtrack alone <laughs> is a better film. Oh yeah, well you've got Iggy, you've got Iggy Pop on the soundtrack. You've got early Goo Goo Dolls, which is which is always fun. Huh. Um, Scrolling down a little bit, okay, here's here's where I think I'm going to, uh, uh, all right, I'm going to say a thing and see if it's true, right? At number 246, we have 13 Ghosts, uh, the the remake with, with Matthew Lillard and Tony Shalhoub and company. I think Deadly Friend is a better movie than 13 Ghosts. Tell me but more. What, well, okay, because 13 Ghosts, I feel like, has about 16 ideas that it's throwing around where it's like, all right, we've got this puzzle house, but we've also got these, like, we've got so many ghosts in this that they're they're all, like, trading cards with their own shit going on, but also it's trying to be, like, scream levels of snappy Kevin Williamson dialogue, but also, it's just, it's trying too many things, and it feels like um, a bunch of pre-existing stuff kind of uh, duct-taped together into the shape of a movie, where I feel like Deadly Friend... It's not derivative to say anything else. Like, it's definitely doing its own thing, and it doesn't really work. But I feel like I want to give it points for originality, at least. Here's why I would give 13 Ghosts the minuscule edge. Mm -hmm. When you say 13 Ghosts to me, I have a Pavlovian response to go grab the DVD off the shelf and pop it in. <laughs> God damn it, that's true. I mean, I'm always going to show up for for 13 ghosts. Like that's <sighs> damn it, damn it. You, th- this is this is how they get you. Um, <laughs> and it's it's Matthew Lillard. That's what it is. But I, I think would you're say right. Just below, better than Freddy versus Jason, but not as good as 13 Ghosts <laughs> would be uh, where I would put Deadly Friend. Absolutely. I actually, I feel good about that. Also because Freddy vs. Jason, it's a movie that I've seen 8 million times, but every time I see it, I'm always like, God, this is so dumb. (laughs) Can't wait to watch this again in like three months. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number 247 above Freddy vs. Jason, but below 13 Ghosts is uh, Deadly Friend from 1986. Uh, This is, you guys are going to want to watch it just at, at the very least youtube the head explosion with the basketball it is truly amazing (laughs) uh quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet our listeners can find us uh mainly on our podcast network's webpage faustiannonsense.com there they can find a list uh they can find a copy of our list where we've ranked all these movies um, and I believe it's even annotated to episode, uh, so it you can is. go check out which episode we gave hot takes that pissed you off on. It's it's all we do. Guys, we are almost at 550 uh, movies ranked for this podcast. Uh, so yeah, so you know, anytime that we're ranking a movie and we're like, I don't know, I feel like this is going to be number like 140 on our list, actually by the numbers, pretty good. Like, <laughs> pretty good. Not- 
<laughs> That's not bad. Uh, you guys, we're also on Patreon. We're on let- uh, we're on Letterboxd. Uh, we are all over the place. Uh, drop us a line over at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, if you are a filmmaker or you have anything that you, you know, want to promote, um, send us a... Please, we love screeners. We love uh, interviewing people. We love uh, doing a promo for good stuff. So uh, get at us over there. But uh, barring that, that's about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks. Later, folks.